Welcome to the Starting Line Church Sermons Podcast. Here at Starting Line Church, we are all about helping people embrace that there is more to life through Jesus. This sermon was first given at Starting Line Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Starting Line Church. Um, I'm so excited because today we get to just continue our series all about the life and the ministry of Jesus called Encounters. In the Bible, we see so many stories where people meet Jesus in this really unexpected way and they walk away transformed and changed and their world is just completely turned upside down because that's just what Jesus does in our lives when we encounter his presence. So during this series, we're, uh, we've been looking at the different encounters that he has with ordinary people like you and me. So far, we've talked about the woman at the well. We've talked about the man who was paralyzed. And this week, we get to move on to our next one and talk about the disciples as a whole. Jesus had many men and women who were his disciples that followed him throughout his life and ministry. We hear specifically, though, about 12 men that he journeyed with, and that's who we hear a lot about in many stories. Today, we're going to be in Matthew 8, starting in verse 23, where we find the disciples on a boat with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. Many of Jesus' 12 disciples, they were fishermen, and so most likely they had a boat that would have been on a boat that probably would have been similar to a fishing boat. At this time, these kinds of boats were powered by oars and sails, but if it was too windy or rocky, or if there was a storm that suddenly came up, the sails would have been taken down to keep them from ripping and to make the boat easier to control in the wind. And so this particular day that they were on the water, a great storm like this arises. The Sea of Galilee was an unusual body of water because every uh, because even though it was relatively small, it had mountains surrounding it. So sudden storms would appear with little to no warning stirring these violent 20-foot waves. As we've talked about, the disciples were, were very experienced fishermen. Um, they, they didn't just go out on the water foolishly when they weren't supposed to go. They, what happens is they get caught in one of these storms without warning, and the danger at hand for them was very real. To picture this a little better, I want to take us back uh, to a moment in history from February 1952. It's a story about one of the most dangerous and daring rescue attempts in Coast Guard history that happened off the coast of Cape Cod, Massachusetts, when an oil tanker uh, on the ocean split in half in the middle of this ferocious storm with over 30 crew members on it, a rescue boat was sent out of Chatham to go find them, putting their lives in great danger. So on this cold night in this middle of the storm, four men went out to perform this rescue and no one believed that they would come back alive. Well, they ended up surviving and rescuing this crew of people who were stranded. A couple years ago, uh, this true story was turned into a movie called The Finest Hours, and there's this clip of them on the water, and as they're on the water, it's insane. This storm is crazy. There's waves crashing over their boat. If you have a chance, go watch it later. But this is what I imagine in this moment with the disciples. But Jesus doesn't necessarily have the same freaking out reaction. We're going to read starting in verse 23. 
Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. So as we know, right, they're all on this boat and this massive storm arises greatly that the waves are crashing all around them into the boat. The disciples are panicking. They're holding on for dear life. They think that this is going to be the end of their life. And Jesus is sleeping. He's sleeping. Like the son of God who can fix this issue going on around them is not even awake. You know those people where they set their alarm and in the morning their alarm goes off like eh, 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 and it's blaring and blaring and blaring and the person doesn't wake up? The alarm is going off for like 10 minutes and they do not wake up because they don't hear it? Well, I am that person, okay? But my alarm can be right next to my face, but most mornings it can take me 20 minutes to hear that thing. But guys, like, This isn't an alarm on an iPhone. It's not a noise coming out of an alarm clock. This is a storm where the boat is being turned around and waves are crashing all around them. And he's sleeping? So the disciples, they frantically wake Jesus up by shouting at him and yelling at him to save him. And he calmly asks them, why are you so afraid? Like, what's the problem, fellas? Well, Jesus, look around, and maybe because we're going to die out here. But in reality, what Jesus' question really meant was, why why do you doubt me? Don't you know I'm in control? Where's your faith? We see more of his response as we keep reading at the end of verse 26. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Oh my goodness, like what an emotional roller coaster, am I right? Like one minute, these guys thought their life was over and the next minute, the water is so calm it looks like glass. Through the authority and power that Jesus has as God, he tells the wind and the waves to stop And they do. And it says that the disciples, they're amazed by this, but but kind of judging by their response, it wasn't really a happy amazement. They didn't think this was cool. They didn't want Jesus to do all this again. They were terrified. They were freaked out. You thought they were afraid before. Well, now it's even worse. They're thinking, who is this man? I mean, we thought he was a teacher and a healer and a miracle worker, but what the heck is this? Who in the world is this? That the wind and the waves and the creation around us listens to his voice. So even though the disciples loved Jesus and they walked with Jesus, we see that they're kind of intimidated, kind of nervous about this power that he has in this moment. The storm stops and they make it to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They get off the boat and arrive in the region of Gadarenes, which was located near the town of Gadara, a very important city in that area. And when Jesus steps on land, he is met by two men that are possessed by demons. 
Now, demons and Satan are a whole sermon series in and of itself, so we're not going to dive too deep into that today. But we know that, that demons have great destructive power. They try to tempt people, lie to people, control people, anything to get them away from God's will for their life. And so as Christians, we can be influenced, we can be attacked, we can be um, influenced by our spiritual enemy, but we cannot be possessed by a demon like these men because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us whenever the whenever demons are confronted by Jesus, they lose their power because he defeated them by defeating the grave. So Jesus and the disciples, they come in contact with these two men and the demons have taken complete control over their body. They'd completely taken over their body. They have taken over the area with their violence and destruction and nobody could go through the area. And so we read this in Matthew 8, starting in verse 28. When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the region of Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They came out of the tombs and were so violent that no one could go through the area. They began screaming at him, why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding in the distance. So the demons begged, if you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. All right, go, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. I would imagine (laughs) the disciples are like, can we just catch a break and have a chill afternoon? My gosh, like... Remember, they just get off the boat where they thought they were going to die, and now they encounter this. So these demons, they begin to talk to Jesus through these men, and they begin to taunt him and come at him, but then something happens. We see that at the mere sound of Jesus' name, these demons flee, and they leave these men, and they go into the herd of pigs. As, As soon as Jesus says, all right, go, they go. So just like the power of his presence in calming the storm, we see the exact same power here in this moment with a spoken word or phrase. And the people in the town are watching it and the disciples are watching it again on repeat. Let's read the end of the story in verse 32. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town, telling everyone what happened to the demon-possessed man. Then the entire town came out to meet Jesus but they begged him to go away and leave them alone. They begged him to go away and leave them alone. The him in this verse is Jesus. Jesus just casted out these demons from people's body and they drowned in the water. And instead of being amazed and in awe of what Jesus did, instead of being thankful, people didn't like it. They didn't think it was cool. They didn't think it was awesome. They were afraid. They were freaked out. The disciples were thinking, oh no, like here he goes again with all this weird stuff. The same reaction the disciples had on the boat was the same reaction they had again, plus all these other people. And then they asked him to leave. The verse immediately following says, so Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. This verse points us to the striking reality 
that these people didn't want Jesus. They didn't want him even near them. And this all seems pretty bizarre in our minds after Jesus does these two incredible miracles. All these people were witnesses to Christ's power and his greatness and his protection and his love. And where we think that would do wonders for their faith, they didn't want it. Because they didn't want to be interrupted. And that's what Jesus was doing. Looking at both of these situations, the power of God interrupted everything. It stopped the storm. It casted out the demons. It showed where authority in this world was. The character of God and who he is interrupts everything. And they didn't want it. But shouldn't we? If we really think about it, we can be just like the disciples. We can just be like the townspeople and do the exact same thing with Jesus. He speaks to us through his word when we don't want to hear it and then we don't listen or we get offended. We read our Bible and we see what his word says and we picked kind of agree with some of it, but not all of it. We start to experience and feel his power in situations and then we get uncomfortable. We start to feel that maybe God's telling us that we're supposed to do something and we stop in our tracks and say, no, 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 I don't want to do that. His plans for us start to be revealed by some closed doors that we wanted open and we get annoyed because it's not how we thought it would go. We view all these things as these negative interruptions and even view Jesus himself as a negative interruption that we don't want to receive. But church, shouldn't we be begging Jesus to interrupt us? Shouldn't we be on our knees pleading that God wreck our plans for his? We should beg for Jesus' interruption, not wish it away. We should beg for Jesus' interruption, not wish it away, not hope it doesn't exist. We should be begging the God of the universe to interrupt our plans, to interrupt our thoughts, to interrupt our actions, to interrupt our decisions, to interrupt our relationships. We should be begging God, who is the beginning and the end, to interrupt us. Whether we, and where we see interruptions as a negative thing, Jesus is over here going, don't you want me to interrupt your life? Don't you want me, don't you want something better? Don't you want something more? But instead we say, nah, I'm good. I like it the way it is, thanks. As we think that we could come up with something better. But what if interruptions were a way that God was getting our attention. What if it was to show us something? What if we saw Christ's interruptions as a good thing and not annoying? What if we saw the way God interrupted our lives as a moment to bring us something better? My prayer for us as we leave here is that we would reflect on our own attitude towards Jesus and that we would allow him and beg him to start interrupting so we can see what else he has in store. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Starting Line Church or to help support our ministry here, check us out at www.startingline.church.com.